Am I on now? All right, good. Uh, I'd like to call um, Devin McCarley and Stafika Stainill. Come and stand, come and stand with us. Um, let me stand to my right. Um, these, uh, these ladies have decided to be a part of our church family at Abundant Life Church. And uh, we just praise God for that. Isn't that awesome? Um, one of the things about church, the, the word church is not, it's not building and mortar. It's not, um, it has nothing to do with that. Uh, church is really about community. Uh, the word church is called the ecclesia, or it's the assembling of people who are called out, who are declaring Jesus as Savior and Lord. Um, and so it's so important that we understand that any person who comes to Christ, they need community. Uh, they need to identify. Um, the Bible says that uh, the Lord puts the lowly into families and that the connection of families uh, are so important. That's really what the church is made up of, where we're the church of the living God. And, and I'm so glad, as you heard testimonies, um, we, are, we are really a family. We're extended family. Um, and it's so many people that are trying to do it on their own. Um, failure after failure happens because people just try to do it on their own. You can't live for Christ on your own. You need people. You need people to pray for you. You need people to come and visit you when you're sick. You, you need more than an online church. I thank God for online churches where people can't get to church. But um, I, I think there's something to be said when you can come to a place where you can see people, they can hug your neck. Amen. They, they can see your face. They can touch you. They can know your name. We don't know who's out there. They might be watching. But certainly when you're in the congregation, people can know your name. And so we're, we're delighted today to have these two wonderful ladies join our congregation and uh, be a part of what God is doing here, and also uh, being a part of ministry, and that they, they, they come here also to serve and to be a part of what God is doing. And so as a congregation, we just want you to receive them. Amen? 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 You want to receive them? Right? You want to receive them. So I'm going to ask my wife to come, and we're in uh, Sister Elaine to represent. She's our, and uh, Sister Lois. They, they actually do our Class 101, our Foundations class. And um, as they do these classes, it's so important to help those of us who need an establishing of our faith. So this morning, as she's going to come as the Class 101 teachers stand with us, and we're going to share our covenant. Would you stand as we read our covenant together? And uh, we're going to... Pray over them. A covenant is we, the members of this church, do solemnly covenant together with God and with one another that we abstain from fleshly lusts which war against our souls. And we'll be kind to one another, putting away all bitterness, anger, malice, clamor, strife, and evil speaking. But we will be tender hearted one toward another. We'll forgive one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us. We who are leaders and heads of our families will observe the worship of God in our homes, and we will endeavor to lead our children to a faith in committed care and saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We'll attend the worship of God in the worship setting as providence permits, and we will observe the Lord's Supper. We will aid as the Lord prospers us and will support faithful Christian ministry among us and we'll, for the saving and uh, knowledge of Jesus Christ being spread through the gospel throughout the whole world. And we'll remember those who have the rule over us. And we'll esteem them highly for our work's sake. And for them, we'll faithfully pray. And with them, we'll faithfully labor as God is our helper. And this we covenant to do together. Will you do that? Yes. God bless you. Let's pray. Would you stretch your hands this way as we pray? Father, we just thank you. Thank you for your grace, your goodness, your loving kindness. Thank you for Devin Stefika. We just pray over them that, God, as you have called them to be, Father, your disciples, that, Lord, we will aid in the fulfillment of that as well. Thank you for establishing them in this house. And we pray, Lord, that as we 
nurture as they uh, come and share, Father, in the various aspects of ministry. Father, we thank you, Lord, for being faithful to answer their prayers. I pray, Lord, that they'll be used mightily for the saving of the lost. Father, for the clothing, Father, of those who are naked. Father, for, Lord, the reaching out a hand to those, Lord, who are uh, not in a position, Father, to even know where you are. But, God, we thank you for strengthening them in the resolve, Lord, to be a part of a house that loves you. Thank you, Lord, for this congregation, we pray. That, Lord, that there were just a smooth transition, Lord, from, from one to another, Father. And we thank you, Lord, for ministry happening together as we labor for the kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Would you give them a warm applause and welcome them? God bless you. Be seated. All right. All this hugging and kissing. All right. How about we stand and get ready for the words, okay? If you've got your Bible, if you've got your, your device, um, we're going right into the word today, and then we're going to have some worship. Is that right? Okay. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 to 41, it says, it says, that day when evening came, he, Jesus, said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving, behind the, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There was also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat. So it was nearly swamped, and Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him up and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for just the reading of it, Lord, gives us an understanding, Lord, that you want to speak. So, Lord, I pray that you speak to every heart. Thank you for giving us clear insight. Thank you for, God, that you have called us for such a time as this. And we pray that you would use your word to direct us. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You're seated. I want to I share on the title, Let's Go There. Tell your neighbor, Let's Go There. 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 Um, the interesting thing that I ponder about even with last week's message was um, as, they, as uh, Apostle Chandler was talking about the parable of the sower and the different seeds that fell upon different soils. And the important thing about what it really means to uh, go for this overflowing life and experiencing the overflow. Um, many times when we read that scripture, we end on the, the good soil that it brought forth, 30, 60, and 100-fold. But if you read the passage, the sermon doesn't end there. The, ser- the sermon keeps on going. Oftentimes, we, see, we kind of read those parables and say, okay, well, maybe that's the end, but it's not the end. Because when you read the parables, you, it's a series of parables that you'll find within the context or in the, in the chapter, chapter 4 of Mark. Of course, it's the parable of the sower, but then there's the parable of the mustard seed. There's, the, there's a parable where he talks about this whole thing about not putting your light under a bushel, but letting it shine. Um, there, there's a parable where he talks about the growing seed, that when we plant a seed, we don't know how it's going to grow. 
Um, a lot of things are happening underneath the surface, and we don't know what's really happened or how it happens. We just know something happens. Um, and then he goes into this whole idea where he tells the disciples, now that you heard about all of this seed and parables and understanding about how the seed falls on different grounds and different responses to the hearing of the word, because really he's talking about how you hear the word. And how we hear the word and respond to, respond to it could be different for everybody. Yeah. Everybody who hears the word may not bring forth 30, 60, 100 fold, unfortunately. Some, it falls on soil that doesn't really uh, yield anything because it bounces off. It's too hard. So as Jesus was talking about these different soils and he was talking about these parables, he separates his disciples and says, okay, Let's go to the other side. Now that you heard the word of the Lord last week, are you willing to go there? Are you willing to go there? Now that you received your prophecy, are you willing to go there? Because if we're, if we're not careful, we'll, we'll be content with just listening to the word, but never go there. It, there's no sense getting a ticket if you ain't trying to go nowhere. You know, it's a terrible thing when you got to put all that time and effort in getting a bus ticket to travel and they'll decide, oh, you know, I'm not going anywhere. I just bought a bus ticket. Why you buy a bus ticket if, or a plane ticket and you decide that you don't want to go anywhere? The, the reason why God speaks to us, because his word is a proceeding word. Remember what Jesus said when he was in the wilderness, tempted by the devil, and uh, the devil saw that he was hungry. And Jesus said to him, you know, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceed or proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Proceeding word means that the word is going somewhere. That's what it means to proceed. It goes somewhere. In other words, when God is speaking to us, he wants to take us somewhere. The reason why you get prophecy because God wants to give you a sign or just an indication of where he might want to take you. For some of you, he wants to take you into ministry. I know I ain't going to get no amen on that one. He wants to take you into ministry. And ministry doesn't have to be Ministry, meaning pastoral ministry, but it's ministry nonetheless. Did you realize that when you are doing your work and you're called by God to do your work, that is ministry? So whether you work in whatever, whatever uh, field that you're in, whether it's the medical field, whether it's the, the sciences or whether you're in business, those are fields. Don't we call them fields? We call them fields. And so God will call you to those fields, and he says, look, I'm calling you to a field. Now, do you want to go there? Do you want to go there? Everybody doesn't want to go. Sometimes we're so tired because we're trying to drag people where they don't want to go. Have you ever tried to take somebody where they don't want to go? Some of y'all say, yeah, my kids. I take them to church every Sunday. They don't want to go. <laughs> but you, take, you bring them anyway, right? Because you're hoping that some point in time, they will want to go. Jesus wants to take you. Now listen to this. Where he wants you to go. And do you want to go where he wants you to go? So here's the story. When Jesus says, okay, now that we've heard the, the whole parable and explaining what the seed is all about and how it yields, let's go through and let's bring it into the laboratory, the laboratory of life. Do you know that faith is nurtured in the laboratory of life? Your, your, your faith is not nurtured just because you hear the word. I recognize that in Romans it tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, but also faith comes by actually understanding that you have to do something with your faith in order for it to grow. Amen. And so Jesus is actually taking these, 
disciples and he said, Let, let's go over the other side. And the other side for them is that they're going to be going across the Sea of Galilee. In a few more weeks, y'all, we're going to be on the Sea of Galilee. Just a few more weeks, I'm going to be on the Sea of Galilee. Crossing this very same lake where Jesus has this text. Been there before, but I'm anxious to do it again. Maybe I could be like Peter and walk on water. I, I don't know, y'all. I, I, if I see him out there, I'm going to say, Lord, is that you? I don't know if, it, I know if that's going to happen, but it's certainly a nice notion to think about. Jesus is taking him over to the other side. The Sea of Galilee is basically, it's a small body of water. It's not really big. Um, it's only 150 feet deep. Shoreline's only about 68 680 feet. It's not, it's not really big. But when you're on the Sea of Galilee, you can actually see the other side. You can actually see the shoreline from one side to the other. But something about the Sea of Galilee that's, that's really interesting is that while the mountains are around the Sea of Galilee, it's, it's, it's not unusual for them to have storms or winds that come into the Sea of Galilee because the Sea of Galilee is kind of like a low place, but yet the mountains, they, they allow the, the, sea, the, the wind to come down. And when the wind blows, sometimes it's very boisterous. Furious wind can come out of nowhere on the Sea of Galilee. And I'm hoping it does not happen. <laughs> I'm hoping it does not happen. I rode on the Sea of Galilee when it was a nice, clear day. But they would tell you that the Sea of Galilee can actually experience, experience some really tough storms. And so here's some lessons that Jesus wants to teach his disciples. I want to share four things about this lesson, this, this whole experience of how Jesus wants to take you there. Say, Jesus wants to take me there. You didn't say that very, you didn't say it very loud. Jesus wants to take me there. Jesus wants to take me there. You're there you're there, maybe ministry. You're there, maybe a career change. You're there, maybe a whole life change. But there is a there. Yes. There's a there. So the first thing is that you have to understand that Jesus is a master teacher. Every teacher wants their students to have a practice. You can write that down. Every teacher wants to see if their students can practice. So the objective of you going to school is not to go to school, it's so that you can have a practice. Call a profession. Anybody know a professional student? Oh, I'm going to school, I'm going to school, I'm going to school, I'm going to school. You've been in school for the last 50 years. You're going to school again? You're going to school? Yeah, that's all I do is go to school. But somewhere along the line, you have to have, hopefully you have a profession, right? So the first thing that the Lord has, has, has designed it so that they will have on-the-job training. Faith is going to be developed on the job. Faith is going to be developed as you continually experience life in its blessing and its burdens. Well, I didn't get no amens up in here. Are you, are you following me? Uh, you, you're going to go through good times, stormy times, ups and downs, but yet it's all part of the on-the-job training for faith. So the first thing they have to learn is to respond appropriately. When Jesus says, go to the other side, they get in the boat and they said, all right, Jesus is going, we're going to the other side with Jesus. That's, that's no problem. They get in. They, they obediently get in the boat and now they're ready to push off to go to the other side. So the first thing you have to have an understanding of what it means to respond by faith versus responding in the flesh. Faith versus flesh responses. Now, here's where Jesus was even paralleling 
where the seed and the soils come into play. He said that the, there was a seed, the sower, when they went out to sow the seed, that the, that the, the, the sower had sown seed on hard surface or, or rocky ground or ground that was so hard it couldn't penetrate. That's, that's, that's a response where the, the word is not heard and the word is not adhered to. It's a very, very difficult place to be. And sometimes we give God a fleshly response. See, because according to Romans chapter 8, and you can read it on your own, that the flesh, meaning my thoughts, my mind, my, my senses, do not respond to God well. In fact, it says that it's hostile to him. In fact, that those who are in the flesh, the scripture says, cannot please God. But he says that if you are spiritually minded, there will be life and peace. So therefore, when the word of God comes, how will I respond to the word? So the prophetic word came last week for me. And I'm fighting in the flesh. The flesh says, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. I didn't say it out loud. You know, you know, have you ever had a parent that you did not let them hear you talk back to them? <laughs> can I get a hand up in here? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, I can see that I can see that you that you that you had that kind of parent because you have your face. You, 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 you're, you're, you're still here. You know, if, if my parents heard us talk back, they said, what you say? Oh, no, oh, nothing. I was just singing. I was just singing. I was singing. I was singing. That's what I was doing. I was saying, sing, singing. Yankee Doodle went to town. Riding on the pole. You better be singing Yankee Doodle. Because you recognize that while we want to respond, we understand that there's sometimes we just should just respond, but we talk inside. We just kind of talk. We don't tell God no out loud. We just, we just have it inside of us like, mm-mm. 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 We just got that little, mm-mm. And then God deals with us. He deals with us. And we go through this turmoil of fighting and tussling our will against God's will. When we should just be obedient and say, God, whatever you want, I'm willing to do it. You'll make your life easier, Jonah. Because storms can happen because we don't want to let God have his way. But there are other kinds of storms because we do let God have his way, which you'll see in a minute. We need a faith response. When you heard that word last week and weeks before, because some of you heard that word more than once, Are you giving a faith response or a fleshly response? Selah. How, how do I respond? When the Lord called me into ministry, I said, uh-uh. No. 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 How much time do I have to say No. No. And then I got my wife to say, tell God no. <laughs> Can you tell him no? He likes you. Tell him no. We are not doing that. And then I fleece God, which I should have never did. I said, God, if you call me to ministry, I want to be in the second row in our church. I want you to send a pastor who doesn't really know me. I want them to lay hands on me and knock me on the floor. And everything happened. So I stopped fleecing God. I got a little smart. I didn't. I said, no, no. 
And, and, you know, learned obedience to God is a precious, precious value. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You, you learn obedience to God over time of walking with him. Because naturally, my flesh is going to respond. Naturally. Everybody has that going on. I got that going on. When God talks to me, I'm not always the willing, obedient servant. Could I be honest with you? I'm not, I'm not always saying, yes, God, do it again. Sometimes I say, Chandler, I don't want you talking to me at all today. I don't want God talking to you, through, to me. Talk to them. They need, they, you know, that congregation needs God. They need, they need a word from God. I don't, I, 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 listen, I pray every day. I need a word from God. Leave me alone. Can I be honest with you? You, you, need to, you need to ask yourself when you have received that word and words that you have received, even words that you haven't obeyed. Are you making a flesh response or a faith response? Because God wants to take you somewhere. He can't take you with a fleshy response. He don't want to take you fighting and breaking up everything. He wants you to be willing and obedient to say, God, what, whatever you want. Second thing is, when they obey God, they end up going through a storm. They, they, see, the disciples, the disciples didn't know the storm was coming. Now, while they are fishermen, they understand what it means to fish on the Sea of Galilee. It was normal for them to fish on the Sea of Galilee because that's what they did. They had storms before. Don't you think they had storms before? Don't you think they had days where the sea was a little rough? But in this instance, this was a type of storm that was just out of their ability to handle. Wow. Have, have you ever gotten into a situation where you respond to God and said, God, this is really big. This, this, is, this is out of my league. In fact, you tricked me, God, because when I obeyed you, I thought things were going to be good. Why, why, why is it all this mess happening? Things are falling apart. The bottom is dropping out. I heard from you. I got a confirmation from you. I had somebody confirm what I was supposed to do, and I prayed about it, and I set out to go to the other side and look, look, look at all this wind that's going on. Look at all this rain that's going on. Why, why, isn't it clean? why isn't it just smooth sailing? Because God has something in mind. And here it is, that storms test the depth of our faith in Jesus. I don't know how deep your faith is until a storm kicks up. You don't know either. You don't know. You, you don't know really how deep your faith is until you're tested. See, now the disciples, they followed Jesus, but they really didn't know all about Jesus that they should have known. Because Jesus healed people in front of their eyes. Jesus ministered to people and delivered people right in front of their eyes. But just because you see a miracle don't mean you know who did it. Oh, if we had miracles, that's going to change our lives. Not necessarily. Because unless you know the Jesus who did it, you might have just seen a miracle. But the objective is that you know the one who does the miracle. Could it be that when it comes to church, you know about Jesus, but you really don't know Jesus? Not in a way that's really makes sense to you when it comes to life's issues. Right. So here's the disciples. The disciples are going through the storm and the disciples are, they're screaming. Could you, could you imagine a bunch of men screaming? That's a terrifying thing to even think about. <laughs> a bunch of men screaming. Ah! The storm. They're trying to do everything they can to try to mitigate What's happening? They're bailing out the water. One, one, one translation, 
And one, one, one passage talks about the fact that the waves were actually coming into the boat. And so here they are. I can see Peter now. Come on, stop bailing. And the more he bailed, the more water came in. Maybe, maybe things feel overwhelming to you. It's not because it's just overwhelming. It's because Jesus is testing your faith. This storm is not a Jonah storm. This storm is a faith-building storm. There there, there are storms that I've been through where I had to say, Lord, now now come on now, please. Why, Why is it like this? He said, because I have to build your faith to get there. Because you don't walk by sight, you walk by faith. Jesus is doing something. Dimensions in faith. There are dimensions in faith. There's depth to faith. There's breadth to faith. Faith has height. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 19. That we need to know the, the level, the depth, the breadth of the height and the love of God. We need to understand the fullness of what Jesus has invested in us. It's dimensional. It's multidimensional. And you, and, and you have to understand that all of us are going not just to a new place. We're going to a new dimension. He's bringing you to a new dimension. Say a new dimension, a new dimension. That means my life is going to a new dimension. It's going to have depth. It's going to have breadth. It's going to have height. It's not, he's getting you away from shallow place. The church is so shallow, long, can't take much of anything. He has to get these disciples to recognize that their faith is in need of a new dimension. Because it's easy for me to believe God for you. Oh, you don't hear what I'm saying. See, people have a dimension where they can pray for anybody. But they can't do a whole lot for themselves because the same God that can pull you out of a mess when they get in a mess, they're crying. They don't know what to do. And God has to take my faith in him to a new dimension. How about let's go there? Say, let's go there. Let's go there. Let's go. Let, let, let's let our faith go to a new dimension. Let's not deal with the shallowness of just being on the side. Let's say, Lord, bring me into the deep place. These are spaces where God is going to allow you to go through things that really test your faith. And, and you know, it's normal to cry. Can Can I say that again? It's normal to cry. Oh, don't cry. God is with you. No, I'm crying. This is terrible. I'm crying. I'm falling. I'm going to fall out. Get me off the floor. I'm falling out. Because I already know it's over my head. Anybody here over your head? Anybody here over your head in some things? It's a test of your faith. But thank God, God does not leave us over our head. Can you say amen to that? Jesus is on the boat, but he's not screaming with the disciples. He's, he's, you know, he's doing an outlandish thing. He's, he's on a cushion, a pillow, head on a pillow, and he's sound asleep. He's sound asleep. There, but asleep. Here's the paranoia about this passage for me. Jesus is there, but saying nothing. Have you been in a place where Jesus said nothing? I mean, you're, you're, you're looking, you're going to look like you're losing your life, losing your mind. Jesus? Hello? Jesus? Jesus? He's, he's asleep. There'll be places in your life where Jesus is not saying anything. Have you been there before? Now, and I don't know about these folks where God is talking to them all the time. I, I just say, I don't have that revelation. I don't. I read my Bible, and my Bible, you know, I'm reading words, but I ain't, I'm not hearing anything. Do I, could I have a witness up yes. in the place? Yes. You know, I'm reading, I'm reading the passage. I say, you know, I'm reading the passage. I'm trying to be faithful reading my word. And I say, well, what? Uh, uh. No, Jesus, Jesus is silent. 
God will say something even in the silence. God has taught me how to trust him in silence. In silence. Does God always need to talk to you? Or can he just be with you and be silent? My God have mercy. He's not always going to talk. The reason why he didn't talk, because he didn't need to. Not at the moment. He only started talking when the disciples woke him up. And he didn't say what they wanted to hear. (laughs) There are seasons in your life. And sometimes, here's the the point of the message on on this point. When God is silent, it's because... He already said enough yes. to get you where you need to go. Come on now. He already said enough. He said, let's go to the other side. What more is there to say? He's already in the boat. What more is there to say? He's there. What more is there? And God had asked me numerous times, when I'm crying out to him, God, where are you? He said, I'm here. Isn't that enough? Is God enough? Is his word enough? Is his commandment enough to get you where you need to go? That's called faith. And rather than them taking a lesson from Jesus, who was sleeping on the boat... They acted totally opposite, and they began to panic, accusing him, putting him on trial, and saying to him, you, Master, I don't, I don't think you care anymore. Have you ever done that to Jesus? I don't think you care. And Jesus gets up. Now, when Jesus gets up, he doesn't, he doesn't have a good, healthy affirmation. The Bible says that he gets up, he rebukes the wind, and the waves die down, and he rebukes his disciples. Sometimes to get you where you need to go, you need to be rebuked. Oh, you don't, you, you don't want to hear that one, do you? Because the reason why he's rebuking them because they should have known better. He's teaching a lesson that they should have already been able to grasp. So after the disciples begin to accuse him, Jesus gets up, he rebukes the way. And so when it comes to these seasons of life where he's silent, He gets up and he starts to speak. He calms the disciples down. And number four, that storms reveal who Jesus is in your life because when the wind and the waves die down, here's the comment that they make. Who is this guy? Who who, who is this guy? Who who is this guy? Could, Could it be that you've never seen the side of Jesus? You don't hear what I'm saying. You know, you haven't seen the full aspect of Jesus until you get into the storm. You, you don't know that he can provide until you need, have need of provision. I, I, I thought I knew Jesus as Jehovah Jireh. But, but I'm tell you, there are times where, you know what, I, I would say he's my provider, but I would act like I'm my provider. And I'll say, what kind of guy is this? So storms, storms reveal who Jesus is in my life. That's the last point. The question I have for you, bless you, who is Jesus in your life? Who is Jesus in your life? How could you be traveling with somebody you don't really know? 
And the way you know him is that he takes you there. If you don't go there, you'll never really know him. <laughs> it's a catch-22. How would the disciples know who Jesus is if they never get in the boat? So here's the pressure of the prophecy. If you don't do that prophecy, if you don't adhere to that word, you may never fully know the, that aspect of Jesus that he wants to reveal to you, and you'll never get there. You'll never get there. Because there's a lot of people who come to church that never get there. They never get there. So, how many of you all would say, I want to go to the other side? I really want to go. I really want to go. I really want to go to that place where it overflows. Do you want do you want to go there? He wants to take you there. He wants to. He wants to take me there. But I have to recognize that it's not going to be easy getting there. And I have to understand who he is to get there. So this morning, what I'm discerning is, for many of you, you're, you're, hearing, you're hearing God. You're hearing God. But along with hearing God, it's now going to be poured into the laboratory of life where you're going to have to apply your faith. Storms are going to come. Can you say that with me? Storms are going to come. It's going to test, this word's going to test you. That's why I don't want him prophesying over me. Because when he prophesies, things start to happen. I say, oh my God, no. God will say things like, I'm going to bless you with a house, but he'll never tell you the price. He won't tell you the price. Because if he told you the price, you wouldn't, you wouldn't go out there and get the house. But this morning, this morning, I want to just give you this permission to release your apprehension your apprehension and say, God, let's go there. Let's go there. Let's go there. Let's go there. If that's you today, I just want you to come. We're just going to pray for a minute. Then we're going to have worship. Is it okay? You can just come and stand up. Say, I'm going to go there. I don't know what your prophecies are. I don't know what the the Lord has in store for you. I don't know what all the words that he said over you. I don't know what all the promises that he has made to you in the past, present. But I do know one thing that God said, let's go there. 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 Not alone. Let's go there. Ways for me close. Let's sing together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, I am not. Defender behind me, 
Defender behind me Overflowing, my cup's overflowing. No weapon can harm me, no weapon can harm me. I won't fear, I won't fear. I won't fear. Let's do that again. I'm filled with anointing, I'm filled with anointing, I'm filled with anointing. My cup's overflowing. No weapon, no weapon can harm me. No weapon can harm me. I won't fear. I won't fear. The people of God say hallelujah. Oh, I said he always holds us close. He always holds us close. He's always holding us close. Hallelujah. I'm not alone. I'm, I'm not alone. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. He's there. He's already there. He's there. He may not be, be there to speak, but he's there. He's silent, but he's there. I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I'm not alone in this, God. I'm not alone in this. I'm not alone in this. I'm not alone in the battle, Lord. I'm not alone in this. Hallelujah. This is the day that you declare that you will go there. You'll go there. Where's your there? Where's your there? It might be going deeper in love. That might be your there. It might be forgiveness of someone that you're holding something against them. Say, God, I'm going to go there. It might be somebody that you need to reconcile with. God, I'm going to go there. God will deepen. He wants to bring you to a new dimension, 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 a new dimension of faith. He said, I'm going to, I want you to go bigger. I want you to go broader. Go there. Go there. Go there. Go there. Go there. No fleshly response. But God, I believe you. 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 Father, as we're here in this Standing in this room, we thank you that we're not alone. That we are not in the boat by ourselves. The waves are threatening. The waves are scary. The journey is somewhat hard. But we thank you that we're not alone. Thank you, Father, that you said, let's go to the other side. So, Father, help us to depend on the word that you have already spoken to us. Help us, Lord, to have faith in your silence. 
And when you're silent, God, help us not to accuse you of not caring for us. So, Lord, we repent of the accusations. Repent, Lord, Father, just saying, charging you, Lord, with leaving us alone and not really coming out to our aid. When we desired, Lord, to hear you speak, you just didn't. And it seemed as you weren't there for us. It seemed that, Lord, that you just left us and you abandoned us in the middle of the ocean. So, Father, we repent, Lord, of our accusations. We say to you, Lord, that we're sorry. We, we, we ask, Lord, for your forgiveness, Lord, for, for judging you and, and saying to you that, Lord, that in the midst of our hardships, Lord, it felt, Lord, like you just left us out there to the elements. But we learn, Father, from your word that you're still there. And we appreciate the fact, Lord, that we're not alone. So, God, take us there. As a church, take us there. Take us, Lord, to a ministry, Father, and turn us, Lord, into a place, Lord, by which the nations will come. Take us there. Take us there, Lord. Take us there to a place, Lord God, where people can receive deliverance and people can receive love and people can receive, Father, from you, Father, without any inhibition. Lord, let this place be a place, Lord, that God, that you would encounter us in a new dimension. Help us, Lord, to never put you in a box. Take us there. Take us into worship, God, and impregnate us with vision and insight take us there take us there take us there take us there there. we praise you and honor you we give you glory we give you praise would you give the Lord a praise for taking you there Come on, give him a take me there praise. A take me there praise. A take me there praise. Take me there praise. Take me there praise. Lord, take me there. Take me there. Take me there, Lord. Take me there. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Take me there, Lord. Yes, Lord.